0: It's the end
1: of the world as we know it And I feel fine It's the end of the world as we know it It's the end of the world
0: as we know it This is the hour of doom And bloom Hey friends and neighbors, welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Podcast. A beacon of benevolence in a belligerent world. With your host, Joe Alton, MD, and Amy Alton, ARMP. Are you there? I am here. That's right, of doomandbloom.net, the reader's choice source for both education and the best health savings account eligible medical kits for austere settings. That was a uh, mouthful. That's right. You'll find them at store.doomandbloom.net and for those who have health savings accounts, and FSA accounts. Well, we've got all sorts of kits that are eligible for you. And they'll make
1: great Christmas gifts.
0: That's right. Give the gift of saving lives. Wow, that sounds really important, doesn't it? It does. It really does.
1: Maybe I'll give you a first aid kit for your (laughs) Christmas.
0: (laughs) Good, that'll only be my (laughs) 1,000th. We we have a warehouse of mystery, of medical mystery, that has all sorts of kits there. If you don't know yet, we've been changing our format. You're going to be hearing more frequent, shorter shows to get straight to the information you're looking for without a lot of housekeeping up front. But we still like to keep our medical licenses, so we have to tell you this.
1: All information and opinions voiced on Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's survival medicine podcast are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings we strongly urge our audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available
0: that's right hey you know what i'll bet that you have wondered from time to time if you're medically prepared enough do you have the supplies to deal with the medical issues you'll face well to know that you have to know the medical issues you'll face right That makes sense. Absolutely. That's right. In my research, I've taken the experience of those people in remote locations who have limited supplies as guidance. The experience of people like medical missionaries who spend months at a time off the grid in communities where, well, infections and injuries often occur.
1: Absolutely. I just heard the bird say, right.
0: Well, Even the bird
1: concurs with you.
0: That's right. T.D. Bird, our African grey parrot, oftentimes agrees with us, but sometimes she'll say... Oh, my God.
1: Or no. Today was no. 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 <laughs> you asked me a question and the bird said no.
0: <laughs> well, if the bird knows the answer, feel free to chime yeah. in. Well, anyhow, I can identify the likely medical issues that would be confronting you guys out there in austere settings. I say that you can expect to see a number of these things from a trauma standpoint you're going to see a lot of minor musculoskeletal injuries, things like sprains and strains. Of course, cuts and scrapes, minor trauma like that. You may see major traumatic injury from time to time, fractures, the occasional knife or gunshot wound. Depends on the kind of environment you're in, whether it's a hostile environment or not. And of course, you're going to be making fires, things like that. So there are going to be all sorts of burn injuries, especially you got to watch out with kids. They are just fascinated by fire. Infection is very important respiratory infections things like pneumonia bronchitis influenza even the common cold diarrheal disease because of questionable water oftentimes that can be community-wide in terms of an outbreak infected wounds minor infections of course like pink eye and maybe a uti here and there Uh, sexually transmitted diseases may occur and of course mosquitoes ticks Lice and all of the diseases that they can transmit to you via their bites and other kinds of contact. Of course, there are allergic reactions, things that could be could be minor like bee stings or maybe the response to bed bugs, things like that. Or let's say poison ivy. Mm-hmm. Or it could be a major reaction like anaphylactic shock. If you're a person that's had an, an excessive reaction to some kind of allergen in the past, you might consider having some EpiPens as part of your medical supplies, the Excellent. auto-injectors. Excellent idea. Of course, dental issues. We may not even have thought of dental issues, but we have actually one of the few dental kits on the market. And it is... In compliance with what the folks say at Wilderness and Environmental Medicine, that journal had an article about what you should have, and we have those items in our dental kits that you'll find at, store at doomandboom.net. They need to be able to take care of toothaches, broken or knocked out teeth, lost fillings, loose crowns, or other dental work. And, of course, then there are women's issues. Unless you are in a all-male group, you'll be dealing with pregnancy, childbirth, well, even miscarriage, other kinds of female issues. And that's very, very important to know what to do there. Matter of fact, I want to thank the folks at Survivor's Edge for printing and featuring my article on childbirth, how to perform a normal delivery in their latest issue. Thanks so much. That was a pretty long list that I just mentioned. Would you agree? And we actually originally published that list in our book, The Survival Medicine Handbook, The Essential Guide for When Medical Help is Not on the Way. Even previous editions have that. And when you take a look at that list, almost every medical issue that I mentioned was either infectious in nature or could be complicated by an infection. Could be an injury that could be complicated by an infection. So it stands to reason that a medic without an understanding of how to identify and treat infectious disease is unlikely to be much help in a long-term disaster. That's not the easiest thing to do. You might gain insight into a lot of diseases and, of course, the drugs used to treat them. We write about them in our antibiotic book called Antibiotics and Infectious Disease. It's important to realize that sometimes the best that you can give, even if you were like a board-certified microbiologist, is a good educated guess. What is the disease? There are probably a number of symptoms that people have. Oftentimes, it just looks like the flu, especially when it's starting, but you might have a feeling as to what the disease actually is the question then becomes is bacteria causing it which bacteria is causing it and which antibiotic would be the most effective against the offending organism it's a challenge boy it is a real challenge it's a challenge for medical professionals and it certainly will be a challenge for the survival medic in times of trouble But if you're going to save lives on your settings, you're going to have to do your best to make the most educated guess as to not only the disease, but the treatment as well. In order to understand the use of antibiotics in infectious disease, you have to understand infectious disease by itself. To understand infectious disease, you've got to understand the organisms that cause it. What I want to do is talk about some of the types of infectious disease that can be treated with antibiotics. A disease-causing organism is known as a pathogen, and a pathogen is a a bug that has the ability to damage a host whenever it invades it. In its broadest sense, it really includes any agent that can cause disease, but honestly, the term is usually used to describe something microscopic, a microbe of some sort. Microscopic germs cause injuries to tissues in all sorts of ways. They might produce toxic substances that damage organs or interfere with vital cell processes like reproduction. They might invade host tissues and consume them. Their their presence may cause damage by triggering the human immune system to go and over-respond and cause damage to the body. But first, what they need to do is enter the body. An invasion may be a direct invasion, may go directly in you, or may involve a middleman known as a vector, a vector from the Latin word meaning one who carries. They basically transmit a pathogen to others. They may not be sick at all or have any effect whatsoever as a result of carrying this pathogen, But they can pass it to other people, other animals, or even other microbes, and cause disease in them. A vector does not have to be ill to transmit a disease to others. You have to know that. A mosquito, for example, carries a parasite that causes malaria in humans. doesn't experience the disease itself. Ticks carry the bacteria that causes Lyme disease, but they don't get sick from it. Another example of a disease vector was a domestic servant you may know known as Typhoid Mary. Typhoid Mary Mallon from 1900 to 1907, worked for various families in New York City. She was a carrier of the bug that caused typhoid fever, and she transmitted it to at least 50 people without feeling sick herself. Now, the elimination of a vector from the environment, terminating Mary's employment, for example, usually ends the outbreak of disease, and getting rid of mosquitoes in an area by spraying might do the same. Sure enough, that's what happened with regards to typhoid when they identified Mary Mallon as a vector and quarantined her for several years. She actually returned to work as a cook for a women's hospital in 1915, several years after she got out, and caused a second outbreak that sickened 25 people. Now, there are lots of different types of pathogens. There's bacteria. Bacterial infection is the organism most likely to be affected by antibiotics at first, and that's why we talk about it a lot. First, it should be noted that the word bacteria is the plural form. A single one of them is known as a bacterium. Bacteria were among the first life forms on Earth, but they're alien to humans in many ways. They are one-celled organisms so simple that they don't even have a nucleus or chromosomes to hold genetic material. Humans, animals, and even plants are more similar to each other than they are to bacteria. Bacteria are called prokaryotes and others are called eukaryotes. Whether a eukaryote is a one-celled parasite or a blue whale, each cell, interestingly enough, is structurally more complex than bacteria. Bacteria, however, are present everywhere. They inhabit the soil in your backyard. They inhabit the bottom of the ocean. They inhabit even Antarctic wastelands. Bacteria exist as far away as Mars and as close as the inside of your body. As a matter of fact, just one gram of your feces contains about one trillion of them. If you took the population of bacteria on Earth, they would far outnumber the entire plant and animal population combined. Bacteria come in a number of shapes. They can be spheres. They can be rods. They can look like spirals. Uh, When they reach a certain size, they reproduce in a way very different from us. They just split in two, a process called binary fission. Many bacteria are completely harmless. Some, however, can cause dangerous infectious diseases, including cholera, syphilis, anthrax, leprosy, bubonic plague. These are just some bacterial infections. The most common fatal bacterial diseases affect the lungs. With tuberculosis alone, killing about 2 million people a year, mostly in underdeveloped countries in the old days. It killed a lot of folks in even the most modern cities back in the 19th century. There are many different types of bacteria. Most bacteria don't need to enter the host cells to reproduce, which a virus actually has to do. But a bacteria do just fine, for example, in your blood. There is a subgroup of bacteria called Rickettsia, Rickettsia, That does require entry, growth, and reproduction within a host cell. And interestingly enough, rickettsia has nothing to do with rickets, which is a deficiency that causes uh, soft bones in children. The grand majority of bacterial infections are treatable with antibiotics, although many have been exhibiting resistance of late. That is a big problem, and we're going to talk about that at some other time. I want to just talk for a second about bacteria versus viruses. Viruses are microscopic pathogens that, unlike most bacteria, can reproduce only inside the living cells of other organisms. Viruses, honestly, are rarely much more than a just tiny bit of genetic code and maybe a protein code. The Ebola virus, for example, is thought to have a total of 7 genes and no chromosomes. Humans, however, have about 20,000 genes crowded into 23 chromosomes. Viral particles without a host are known as virions. They actually only act as a living organism when they enter a host cell. That means, honestly, that they really stretch the very definition of life itself. A virus can reproduce like living organisms, but not without the host's help. The process goes like this. The virus finds a host cell and and binds to it. The virus then injects its genetic material into the host cell. The genetic material replicates using the host's cellular machinery because it doesn't have that machinery on its own new viruses are then produced and then assembled within the host and then the host cell bursts expelling all the new viruses and they start infecting other cells viruses can infect all types of hosts from animals and plants all the way down to bacteria examples of common human diseases caused by viruses include the common cold influenza chickenpox rabies hepatitis herpes Ebola, Zika, virus, oh my gosh, all sorts. And they can be spread by mosquitoes or any other vector. Fruit bats were the vector, for they think, for Ebola. Uh, Airborne droplets and coughs and sneezes, contact with blood or other bodily fluids, or ingestion of contaminated food or water. If you have a normal immune system, it often kills the infecting viruses. However, some viruses can evade these immune responses and result in chronic infections. Things like hepatitis C or even HIV. Bacteria versus viruses, these are the two pathogens of most concern to health departments in the U.S. Bacteria are about 10 to 100 times larger than viruses. They're structurally more complex and they're capable of reproducing on their own. Although some are resistant, bacteria are susceptible to standard antibiotic therapy, as it is used today. Viruses are immune, however, to the effect of these drugs. So antibiotics do not kill viruses. We're in the infancy of antiviral research. There are some antiviral drugs on the market today, but most are limited in their action and effectiveness. We'll talk about other types of pathogens in future podcasts, but that's all the time we have for today. We want to thank you for listening to the Survival Medicine Podcast with Joe Alton and Amy Alton. We'll be back next time. Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become in these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse? You need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Joe Alton, MD, of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family medical bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. You'll be glad you did.